it is my goal uh, here tonight to show you all just how absurd the Christmas story is. That's my goal. It's absurd. You've probably never noticed just how ridiculous the story is. Because we are so far removed from first century culture and first century vernacular. And so 21st century Americans, you know, we, we've turned the story into a myth. It's just a bedtime story at this point. It's now just a part of the Christmas tradition to tell this cute little Christmas tale. It's a children's story, you know, about a baby, a manger, and some barnyard animals. It's just a bedtime story. It's just a myth. But what if it's not? What if it's not a myth? What if it's not a bedtime story? What if God's Son really was born this way? Well, then the story becomes ludicrous. The story becomes ludicrous. And that is exactly the point. It's exactly the point. It is very, very important that all of us see how ludicrous this story is. Because if you miss the absurdity of the story, then you also miss its wonder. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read part of the Christmas story to you. And then I'm going to reread it in a more modern vernacular. So maybe that will help you understand just how ridiculous this story is. If you have, have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's okay. The verses will be on the screen behind me. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
This is God's word. Okay, so let's now think of the story in modern terms. Let's think of it in modern terms to help us get a better grasp of it. How would Luke chapter 2 read if it happened today? How would it read? How would God Almighty, King of glory, commander of angel armies, how would he enter our world in Huntsville, Alabama? Well, I don't exactly know that. But here's how things might go. Here's how they might go. There would be no room for Mary and Joseph in the Holiday Inn or the Motel 6 or the Marriott. And so Mary and Joe, you know, they're forced into the only place open this time of night, the Waffle House. And angels would appear in the parking lot to the line cooks who were on their smoke break. And the angels would say to them, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby in the women's bathroom floor of the Waffle House. He will be wrapped in dirty waitress aprons. And he will be lying in an old Rubbermaid storage bin. Because that's all they have in the back of the kitchen. Now, this is silly. <laughs> it's absurd, right? This is an absurd way to tell the story, but you do know that these kinds of details are actually in the story. We just read them. These very same kinds of absurd details are right here in Luke chapter 2. They're just in first century vernacular, not 21st century vernacular. This is, my friends, how God sent us his son in a ridiculous, absurd manner. And so, every year at Christmas time, when we display our little nativity sets on the mantle, we might as well put up a trinkety little waffle house, little porcelain cigarettes. For the line cooks, you know. Little coffee-stained waitress aprons for Jesus to lie in. And a very tiny Rubbermaid tote. It's ridiculous. And that's the whole point. It's the whole point. It's the dirty, grimy, vulgar details that make this story so amazing. You see, the vulgarity of this one small scene in the Bible is actually just a microcosm of the entire Bible. The whole scriptural narrative is absurd. <laughs> The whole thing, the whole scriptural narrative is ridiculous. It's just seen a bit more clearly in the Christmas story. Just check out what Matthew says in his telling of Jesus' birth. 
Matthew says something so far-fetched that neither humans nor angels will ever be able to wrap our heads around it. This is what Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 23 of his gospel. Matthew says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this word Emmanuel, that we translate God with us, is more literally translated with us God. That's the wooden way of saying it. And so translators change that to what they think the word is trying to say, which is God with us. But it woodenly says, with us God. And hey, you know what? Maybe that's just an inconsequential detail. Maybe the translators are correct. They probably are in altering the phrase to read God with us. But you know what? I think the more wooden and literal translation can have tremendous value for us here tonight. And not just tonight. Always. Because I think what the Christmas story is telling us is more than just God's location in time and space when it gives us the name Emmanuel. No, Emmanuel is more than a description of God's location. It's a description of God's nature, of His character. It isn't where God is, it's who God is. He is not just God with us, He is the with us God. He's the with us God. You see, what is infinitely more absurd than God being born in a Waffle House bathroom or a cattle shed is the fact that God wants to be with us at all. Have you ever thought about that? You want to know what the absurd story of the Bible is? I'll give it to you. The Bible is the story of a God who is desperate to be with sinners. He is desperate to be near those who screw up continuously. He is desperate to be in friendship with those who reject him. This is the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He is the with us God. Don't believe me? Read it for yourself. He is constantly trying his darndest to be with us. <laughs> you know, when Israel was whining, complaining, and sinning against God, he had them build a tent so that he could dwell with them there. And when they continued in rebellion and idolatry, he had them build a tabernacle so he could dwell with them there. And when they doubled down on their wickedness, he had them build a temple 
so that he could dwell with them there. And finally, when mankind's sin and idolatry were at their peak of filth, he sent Mary and Joseph to a cattle shed in Bethlehem so he could dwell with us there. <laughs> Why? Because that's who he is. He is the with us God. Do you see just how low he came to be with us? God did not come part of the way down as to be visible to us but not get his hands dirty. No, he came all the way down into a Waffle House bathroom, into a stable in Bethlehem. That is how close God wants to be with sinners, <laughs> with rebels, with outcasts. You say, now wait a minute, preacher. I thought God was holy. I thought God was infinitely above us. Well, you're right. <laughs> you're right. God is infinitely above us. He is. God is holy and righteous, and we most certainly are not. That's the very conundrum that makes this story so ridiculous. The holy God cannot be with unholy people like us. He cannot. And yet, He desires above all <laughs> to be with unholy people like us. It's His greatest desire. That was the whole point of the tent, the tabernacle, the temple, and the baby. It's the whole point. <laughs> it's the whole point of the Bible. God's relentless pursuit of sinners. You see, in the temple, in the tent, in the tabernacle, and in the cattle shed, God was making a way for sinful, unholy people like you and me to know Him, to befriend Him, to love and be loved by Him. We didn't go to God. We couldn't and we wouldn't. So God came to us. He always has. <laughs> he always has. Because that's who He is. He's the with us God. And this, my friends, is the absurdity of the Bible. It's the absurdity of Christmas. The with us God has come this time in the flesh so that He can, with human arms, hold sinners in a warm embrace. So that He can, with human eyes, peer into ours. Come real close and say, I love you. I have always loved you. Always. Do you see how crazy this is? Do you see how crazy this is? It's crazy, not because of the God part, 
not because of the with part, but because of the us part. The us part is what makes it crazy. Us. God wants to be with us. With all of our resentment toward him. Us with all of our doubting of him. Us with all of our flat out rebellion against him. Somehow, by his own will and pleasure, Emmanuel has come for us. Christmas is crazy because Emmanuel is crazy in love with us. He cannot stand to be apart from us. And so, Emmanuel's ridiculous, wild, untamable love led him not only to the cradle, but to the cross, where he would bleed and die for our sins in our place. This is ludicrous. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. This is absurd. This is the gospel. The gospel. The holy God died in the place of his enemies. That's the gospel. And when we begin to grapple with this kind of absurdity, when we begin to wrap our hearts around the shocking love of God for sinners, then we can start reckoning with the wonder and the glory of Christmas. Until we do that, Christmas is just a myth. It's just a bedtime story. But when the shocking love of God for His enemies, you and me, when that hits your heart, Christmas hits different. It hits a lot different. And so tonight, that's what we are reveling in. A glorious absurdity. <laughs> a glorious absurdity. The absurdity that our Creator, the one that we have rebelled against since the doctor slapped our fanny, He loves us so much that He Himself came into our filth, into our sin, into our darkness to rescue us. To Himself with His own nail-scarred hands reach into our filth and pull us out. Put us on his broad shoulders and bring us home. <laughs> and so we have come here tonight to receive this God. We have come to receive his witness for what it is. A staggering gift of grace from the with us God.